last week I got to share all about our, our missions trip to Brazil. And uh, if you didn't hear, you weren't here last week or you're visiting with us for the first time, there was a 13 of us that went to partner with some of our, our uh, missionaries that we support who were in southern Brazil. And a group of us went and we stayed there for 12 days and got to minister alongside of them and minister to them. And it was wonderful. It was an awesome opportunity. And, you know, there was a lot that, that happened. And people ask me, like, so what was it like? And you really can't answer it because there was a lot of different experiences. You know, there were peaks and valleys. And there were times when we were just crying with people that we met. And there were times when we were laughing and having full of so much joy. And, uh, and, and times of worship. And times of just, like, prayer and mourning with other people. And so it was a, an amazing experience. But lots of different kinds of experiences. But, you know, since I've been back, I've recognized that um, there are some people in my life, people here at church and in family and and friends outside of the church, um, that are hurting and going through some really significant things in their life. And we know that there's that old saying that the only constant in life is change, right? And most of us don't like that change. And, And I realize that as I get older, I feel like I like change a little bit less, and, you know, I've mentioned before, but in 28 years of marriage, we've moved uh, over a dozen times. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun, but, you know, those things, they, they become less and less sort of exciting. And, le- you know, you look forward to those things less. And even this time of year, this season of change, and you're enjoying the summer and you're ready to, to move on, there's, there's sort of that anticipation, but, okay, things are going to change again. But you know what? There's some people in our lives, and I know that, that um, you can relate to this, some people in our lives, right, that are going through very significant change. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the, the loss of a, a job. Maybe it's um, a broken relationship with a, a, a friend that you've had a long time. No matter what it is, we do experience loss together. But isn't it true that as human beings, and especially as as Christians or those seeking after God, that what we all have in common, what we all long for most, is hope. If you think about it, I think we can boil down every one of our desires and our needs and even our passions and what drive us. I think the end result is always hope. Because we always want to know that there is hope. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of date myself, but I was um, six or seven when the original Star Wars movie came out, and I went to see it in the movies. And some of you that are younger are like, wow, you're so old. I saw it in the movies. And I remember my mom opened the newspaper. Remember when you used to open the newspaper to see what was playing at the, the local theater and it gave all the listening? Remember? Well, maybe I should say member newspapers. I guess I should say that, right? <laughs> and we would see what was playing. I remember my mom was sitting at the kitchen table, and she opened it up, and and it said Star Wars. She said, let's go see this. And I thought, I think I was six or seven, and, and I, I thought in my six or seven-year-old brain, like, so this is about stars like celebrities, and we kind of see that now, like in reality TV. But back then, I'm thinking, I guess I was ahead of my time. I don't know. And I'm thinking, like, this does not sound good. I do not want to see it. So I basically went kicking and screaming. No, I don't want to see this. And I remember getting there, and the theater was packed, and all of a sudden, if you've seen Star Wars, you know, it, this, these words come up and there's no sound. And then all of a sudden, there's a blast, right? And it just catches you and you, you get these chills in the words. And I, I, I immediately thought it was the greatest thing ever. 
And I've been hooked since then. But do you remember the name of that original one that was made? Not in the sequence, but the first one made a new what? It was a new hope. Star Wars, right? A new hope. Remember that. Like, we all want hope. We all want to know and be reminded that God is doing a new thing and that it always leads to hope. So this morning, I want to share a passage of Scripture with you that you've all heard. Maybe some of you have, have, have memorized. But I believe that what really allows this passage of Scripture to resonate with us and, perco- and become perhaps the most well-known passage of Scripture is that it's all about hope. And that is Psalm 23. Have you ever read Psalm 23? The Psalm 23 every day. Perfect. And every day, every day we should read something like that. Because how does it start? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Right? So what I want to do is I'm going to read it. I want to go through it. And I want to just share a few thoughts about why in this particular season in my life and what God is impressing upon me, what does it mean to have hope? And what does this passage of Scripture say in just a few short verses about hope? Because no matter what you're going through today, maybe you're in a really good season in your life, and God has shown you much favor and blessing, and you're very thankful for that, and that is, that is awesome, and that's what we pray for and long for. You can get a lot out of this passage of Scripture. If you're here today and you've lost a loved one, or you're truly struggling or maybe you've just been diagnosed with clinical depression and you started a medication and you're wondering, like, what, is this the new normal for me? What's going on? And maybe you're in a season of life where your kids are leaving and, and you realize, like, man, what does the rest of my life look like? Whatever it is for you, whether it's really heavy and deep or whether it's something, um, maybe it's not as serious but still significant to you, Psalm 23 has something for all of us. And there's four things that I want to point out to you about this. This is a passage of scripture that I have used at funerals. I've used it in weddings. And I used it once in a baby dedication. Because this passage of scripture, it's universal in that way. There's so much in here that we can glean, more than we can even unpack and uncover today. But Psalm 23 is so beautifully worded that it really shows us every step of the way that we have a shepherd. We have a shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, and wants us to simply follow him. So I'll read it for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil In my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you have memorized that. What more perfect passage of scripture. So succinct, six verses to memorize, 
to just keep deep in your heart? Because the Holy Spirit will bring that back to you in those times of need, in those times of questioning. You know, I mentioned that in a couple of weeks we're going to start this new sermon series in Habakkuk, and all he does is question God. He's questioning God in the chaos of his world, and don't we do that? We question God what's going on in our government and the world around us, in the economy. We question God with what he's doing in our lives, things that are much more personal. But yet God always has a way of answering, and his word shows us that he is and wants to be for us our shepherd. So this psalm describes God as our shepherd. And we know in the New Testament, Jesus himself calls himself our good shepherd. Remember that? In John 10, there's a beautiful passage, all, it's, you know, so much of, of John 10, but it says, he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. In John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And that was John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So I want to do is share four things with you that I think will bring us hope this morning and at least remind us of how how good God is. First, we know that the good shepherd, he knows us. But then the good shepherd, he leads us He also gives to us, but he also holds us. Can you just keep those words in mind? He knows us, he leads us, he gives us, and then he holds us. These should be important words to us as sheep who are following the good shepherd. I mean, don't we need a shepherd who knows us? One also who leads us where we need to go, but one who gives and provides but then in times of great distress, the one who holds us, right? Now, it can be hard for us to understand the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. We've seen it depicted, we've read about it, but I don't think any of us here are shepherds, but yet all of us here are sheep. We just be on the same page with that. So we are all sheep. You know, the thing about sheep is sheep, they're pretty dumb. <clears throat> but yeah, I am including myself in all this, I just want you to know. And, and the sheep, they tend to stink, and they, they tend to not see too well. They actually don't hear so well either. Can you get a picture of why they need a shepherd? They need somebody to lead them and to guide them. And if it was up to them, they would just kind of keep eating and wandering, and they wouldn't look up, and they wouldn't look up to see where their help is coming from, and they'd find themselves in trouble. Don't we do that? We act like sheep, we kind of just go through the motions and we don't look up to see where God may be leading us. We don't look to his word is a good way to see looking up, looking up to him and giving our time to him in prayer and seeing where he wants us to go and leading us through his word and we kind of go through the motions and sometimes we look up and we find ourselves in unknown territory. And sometimes it can be dangerous. But see, the good shepherd, he knows us. His sheep listen to his voice, and he knows them. But that means it's personal. Did you ever think about that? Verse 1 of Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that great? Remember, this is the Psalm of David. If you remember all that David went through, 
He's reflecting here, the Lord is my shepherd. See, another part of this context we forget about is David is writing this and he needs great forgiveness. He's saying, man, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just looking for protection from enemies. He also is looking for forgiveness. He wants a shepherd, yes, that knows him and knows him deeply and personally and intimately, a shepherd that knows who he is. It's very personal for David. And what a great picture of our God. He is king and he is just and he is righteous and he is holy. But we also know He is called a friend of sinners, and he is a shepherd. And there's a beautiful relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. So first we see from Psalm 23 and also what Jesus says about himself as the good shepherd in John 10, that he knows us, and it's very personal. See, in our world, we're often conditioned to sort of look out for number one, right? To be our own boss and be in control, follow no one. And why? It usually comes down to trust, doesn't it? You can't trust anyone. But yet Jesus can be trusted. He's the God that never fails. He's the one that never fails. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So really, if you want to understand it this way, the Christian life boils down to this one word, trust. Do you trust God or don't you? But we have to apply that to every aspect of our life and every day. It's an everyday type of thing, living one day at a time. Are we going to trust God or not? We can trust him. Sometimes it's easier to trust him in the big things. I know God will give me a job. Maybe it's in the smaller things on a day-to-day basis that we're not willing to trust God. If we have been willing to trust God with our eternal existence, can we trust God that he'll give us the job we need? See, God knows us. He knows us because he's a good shepherd. He knows what's best for us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that truth sometimes can frighten us, but it should bring us comfort. That in the stress and the busyness of life, we can rest in knowing that there is one who always has our back, who wants the best for us, and he never tires or sleeps in his provision and his protection of us because he knows us. So our shepherd knows us, but secondly, the good shepherd, he leads us. See, we don't often notice it, but Jesus, the good shepherd, is orchestrating all of the details of our lives to bring about his will. He brings people into our lives for a reason. He often cares for us and provides for us in ways that we least expect. But I would encourage you and even challenge you Think about the people that you have allowed to influence your life. You know, there's a big trend today on the internet. There's like celebrities that are like YouTube stars, you know, and video, and they're called influencers. So they're not movie stars. They're not rock stars. They're not politicians, so there just need to be a name for them. They are simply called influencers. Why? Because people allow them to come into their lives. They watch their videos, and some very positive, some not, of course, just like anything else. But they are simply called in our society today influencers because they are influencing trends. They are influencing people to do and to say other things. Who are the influencers in your life? Who have you allowed to speak into your life? Is it people that love the Lord and 
and want to encourage you to walk with him? Or is it people that are leading you astray? But see, Jesus says he's the good shepherd, and he reminds us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He knows us, but also it says he leads us. He'll be the best of friends, the one that will lead us, it says in the psalm. He leads me beside still waters, and he makes me lie down in green pastures. Can you get the picture that he is leading us to things that are good? That is what we should allow to influence us. So we don't notice it, but God is often doing so much behind the scenes to lead us. But see, our part is that we have to let him. Do you ever like have a dog that you're trying to walk and they really just don't want to go for a walk? It's basically not you're taking them for a walk, you're dragging them. Ever do that? You're kind of dragging them along and they just really don't want to go. Be we're often like that. See, but sheep are like that. Sheep are like that. They just they they don't want to go and Maybe do what's hard or difficult or new or change anything. But yet the shepherd is the one who can see. He can see that the pasture on the other side of this hill is better and more nutritious. It's better for them, but yet they have to trust that the shepherd knows what's best and will lead them. That's called God's providence. See, He's gently guiding and directing our steps if we lead him. So, He has a heart of compassion and love and forgiveness, even in those times, and I know you can relate to this, where we distance ourselves from him, or we choose to walk a different path, he is there with loving arms to welcome us back. And see, that different path sometimes can be dangerous. See, often shepherds need to watch where their sheep are going, because they will will tend to carve a new path, a different path, and that could be okay. See, but the shepherd has led them into well-worn paths and knows where these paths lead, and they lead to righteousness and goodness. But yet we, like sheep, can often go astray, and we say, no, God, I think that we want to create a path over here. But isn't God good? I say he gently, but sometimes it's not so gently. Did you ever notice, maybe even in hindsight, God leading you? away from a path that could have been a path of destruction? And you see how God brought people into your life or orchestrated events so that he saved you from something? That is part of leading as well. Sheep can often wander down an unknown path. The shepherd guides them back on the right path. Hebrews 13.9 says, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strained teaching. See, even Jesus is saying, look, Why don't you use my word that I have blessed you with to be a way that I can guide and direct you. That's how the Lord does that. He uses his word, his word of truth to guide and direct us because the shepherd is concerned for us and does not want us to be led astray by any negative influences. And furthermore, sheep can be easily frightened and easily confused. Are you easily frightened and easily confused? Sometimes you are. In fact, we, we've seen this in pictures. We can see sometimes sheep can just plunge blindly off a cliff following one after another. Well, I guess this guy knows where he's going, right? But the shepherds are called, the shepherds are called to face incredible dangers in caring for their sheep, putting their own lives at risk to keep them from going off the path and battling wild animals and wolves and lions. And Jesus talks all about that just to protect the flock of sheep. 
See, David was a shepherd. He knew what that was like. He's the one writing this. You remember that? David writing this psalm, he knows what it's like. In order to be good shepherds, they have to be willing to lay down their lives for their sheep. And Jesus did that for us. But look at where he leads us. Green pastures. Don't you like that picture, green pastures? It's food, it's provision, it's eating what's good. He even says that he makes us to lie down. See, sheep, when they were in distress or even hungry, like they wouldn't rest or lie down or stop. And God tells us, rest. Keep the Sabbath holy. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me in Matthew 11, right? Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, right? He says, learn from me. Because he wants to give you rest for your soul. Do you feel like you need rest for your soul? Well, he says he will lead you to green pastures. Those are lush. Those are plentiful. Those are abundant. That's where the good shepherd wants to lead us. But also near still water. See, sheep won't go near a rushing river because they're afraid to be swept away. And that's good. So oftentimes a shepherd would have to create a temporary dam to slow down the water so that the sheep could drink. When you're in those times of chaos and turmoil and the rivers are running rapid in your life, we have a good shepherd who we can cry out to who will create that temporary stop and stop that flow so we can catch our breath and take a drink of the still waters. That is what he does for us. But see, in all of it, church, we have to let him. We have to let him do it. He wants to lead us and to guide us. But yet as sheep, we often want to go our own way. We can find rest in him as he offers peace from the turbulent waters. Some of us might be feeling like we're just keeping our head above those waters right now. Thirdly, the good shepherd he gives because he is a giving God. See, we're told to be cheerful givers, to live generously. But how can we do that when we're going through a season of life when we feel like God has stripped everything away, like we have nothing left to give, like no energy, no joy, no wisdom, nothing left to offer? But we look at the example of the good shepherd. The good shepherd, you look at Philippians 2 and others, the greatest example of service and humility, the good shepherd gave us eternal life. He was stripped bare, tortured with nothing left. He then called upon his Father in heaven. He needed the strength, he wanted the strength to complete the mission for which he was born and given to this world. And Jesus gave his life for us because he was willing to do that. But the fact that he did that for us and we receive that, church, and we accept that truth, that should affect how we live each and every day. It is a gift. Life is that gift. And that gift is the very life of the good shepherd. What did Jesus give us? Nothing less than himself, his very life. And therefore, we can trust him. See, again, it comes all down to trust. If you want hope, put our trust in the Lord and no one else. As we surrender to him, we receive from him. As we receive from him, we are blessed and filled. And as we are blessed and filled, we are to give it all away and bless others. And that's a process of giving back to him. See how that's supposed to work? 
We pray for the blessings and the filling and the provision and the comfort and the peace and the hope. And we get it and we're filled. But then we are to give it and to share it to others. Jesus gives, so we are to be givers as well. And finally, the good shepherd, he holds us. Psalm 41, God's words of comfort tell us that we don't have to fear. He says in Psalm 40, uh, Isaiah 41.10, he says, Do not fear, for I am your God. Be not dismayed. Right? Fear nothing. Don't be anxious. He says, I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You get that picture, church? Of God as our shepherd, Jesus as the good shepherd, upholding us with his hand of righteousness. Did you ever feel like you have no energy left? You have no joy left? You have nothing left to give? You just need God to carry you. You you love that old poem of footprints? You love that, the footprints in the sand? And why do we love that picture? So we love the picture of the footprints and Jesus walking with us, but then all of a sudden there's one set of footprints. We say, God, you left us. He says, no, I'm carrying you. See, don't we need those times as well to remember? Sometimes we need to just lay at his feet and just crawl up into his lap like our heavenly father, Abba, Father, and just say, would you carry us? Did you ever have a child do that at the end of the day? You know, we live near the boardwalk. We see it all the time at the end of a day. Isn't it beautiful when you see it like a little boy who's probably, you know, four or five, and they just have like ice cream like all over, and they're sweaty, and they have sand in their bathing suit, and they're like all hot and sweaty and, and, and tired. I mean, that's what going to the beach is all about, right? And parents, we love that. We look forward to that part. But what you see is you usually see, you see the dad carrying the little child, and the child's just sleeping soundly after a long day of fun in the sun, and that child just completely trusts in that father. Trust, I mean, just sound asleep. Trust that the Father will not drop him. Do you know that we can be in our Father's arms like that? And we can be tired, and we can be sweaty and sticky, and we can be not looking so good or feeling so great. Maybe we feel like that at the end of every day, but you know what? We can just ask our Heavenly Father, the Good Shepherd, to hold us. Because that's what he does. And I think that this is at the heart of, of the enduring nature of Psalm 23, is that our shepherd is there to lead us, to know us, to protect us. He holds us. I mean, this is what our shepherd does. This promise is one that is made to all of us, that if we simply reach out and accept the hand of the shepherd, it says we shall never be in want, for our cup will overflow. And goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. I'm going to read this psalm one more time. And I'm going to invite our band to come up and lead us in a closing song of worship. I'm going to read it slowly. But just just think about it. Think about the words that you've heard this morning. A little bit about why David was writing this and how it applies to our life today. Just look at this. Think of the imagery and what our good shepherd offers to us as his sheep. The Lord, he is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, lay, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You even prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? You prepare a table before me. Anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Goodness and mercy all the days of my life. Do you get the picture, church, of how God wants to bless us abundantly? How the good shepherd doesn't just kind of put us aside and say, okay, I'll protect you. You stay over here. He wants to lead us and guide us and know us and come into this beautiful, intimate relationship so that we can be people of hope. He gives us hope. All of these words, all these words lead us to the end result of hope. That we can put our hope in him. Why? Because we trust him. We have a shepherd that we can trust. Trust like no other. We can trust people in our lives, but we know they have the propensity to let us down. And they probably will, and they probably have, because none of us are perfect, but our good shepherd is perfect. And he will never let us down. The good shepherd's desires that your cup is not only filled, but that your cup is filled to overflowing. That's available to us, church. That's available. And you know what? If you're here this morning and maybe you don't even know why it is that God brought you here, and maybe you're seeking, or you're not even seeking after God. You just came, a friend invited you, whatever. Would you know the truth of what we're saying is that there is a God who created you. We believe this wholeheartedly, that a God that created you and that loves you enough to say you have gone astray and you are separated from me because of sin, which means disobedience very simply. But he says, I've, I have a way. I have a way to reconcile me to you so we can be in intimate relationship again or else there is no hope. He says, I want you to, as my child, have hope. And so I've provided that payment for your disobedience. And I did it through my son. And he suffered and he died. And he took upon himself all of that, that effect of disobedience, all of that sin, all of that guilt, all that shame. He did that so that he, God, the creator of the universe, could have a relationship with you once again. And he says it's pretty simple. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to work. You don't have to be good. You don't have to clean yourself up before that. He says all you do is believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You believe, which means you trust. You believe that the truth of who Jesus is. And what he said he would do, you believe that it's true and it's factual and it's right. But then you trust. You trust in it for eternal salvation. And you trust in him and no other. See, therein lies the beauty of the gospel. It is God's love that sent his son to pay that price so that we can be reconciled to him. Because that's the desire of his heart. That none should be separated for all eternity. But that all of us would come back into loving relationship with him. And why? Because he is a good shepherd. He is the one who cares for his sheep and leads them and knows them. And holds them up in times of great distress. He is the one we could call on because only in him his hope. Father God, we are grateful beyond words 
for your word, for the truth that we have in the Holy Scriptures, truth even in this most beautiful of Psalms, that you give us that beautiful picture of you as our shepherd. Jesus, you even told us that you are our good shepherd, that we hear your voice and that you hear us calling out to you. God, you are a God who is timeless. You are a shepherd who knows all of our needs. You are a God who never fails, a God who is always on time, whether we walk through the valley of the shadow of death even, that we have nothing to fear, because through it all we will still praise you, because you are good. So Father, thank you for the powerful word that you have for us this morning. May we turn to it often, every day, Lord, to be reminded of who we are in you and the good shepherd that we have. We worship you now, a continuing act of worship, to let you know thank you, to let you know that we love you. 